This podcast is a part of the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. Good morning. Welcome to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton, back with you. I hope you had a good weekend. But it's now Monday. Here we are. (laughs) And we're starting another week. I hope you tune in. We've got some interesting conversations coming up this week, and we're starting off this morning. We get to meet Dr. Tasha Starks, who is new to the community. She is actually, okay, she's over the physician practice uh, in Urbana and Danville, but you're actually director of regional. So I'm a regional (laughs) medical director. For the Danville in Urbana markets. I think OSF does that on purpose just to mess me up so that I, no matter what I'm introducing or who I'm introducing, I'm like, what is it you do? So anyway, she's over doctors, okay? (laughs) That's what she is. And she is new to the community. So where'd you come from? I'm originally from Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, I was born there, raised, educated, did my medical school training and residency there. Um, over the last five years, I have practiced in a small area called Paragool, Arkansas. Paragool, Arkansas, which is dear <laughs> to my heart because that's where my mother came from, and I uh, had a lot of family, had some family there. Yeah. Uh, it's a it's a cool little town. God, it's mm-hmm. long time since I was there, but yeah. I had fun. It was great. Very similar to the Danville area. Yes, it is. So I feel like I'm at home. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. feel like I'm at home. Before then, I practiced in uh, Jonesboro. Arkansas. Jonesboro, that's right. Jonesboro and, and Paragold were moms. Yeah, that's right. Area. Which Jonesboro reminds me of Champaign, yeah. Urbana. There's a, a college there, or Arkansas Arkansas State University. So it's a college town, and it's much like the Urbana Champaign area. Um, so I, I feel like I'm home. Well, we're <laughs> we're I'm happy home. to have you. Let's uh, let's ask about that. Why did you decide you wanted to be a doctor? Well. Um, you know, I always say that it was God-given because no one in my family, uh, I don't have any physicians in my family. My aunt is a nurse or was a nurse. She's no longer a nurse, um, but no physicians. And so the only thing I can attribute it to is that it was God-given because I've known it since I was small. I mean, really? I'm talking about very, very young. I was the kid who would talk about being a doctor. I was going to grow up and be a doctor. Um, but I can't tell you that my parents um, lived around the corner from... Um, a physician. He was African American, and they really had a whole lot of respect. I mean, everybody just—I re- mean, there was like total revere and respect for this gentleman. And uh, he was one of the first African Americans to attend medical school at, at the University of Arkansas for medical sciences. Really, I think he was like the third, maybe the third or the fifth, or something like that. And he happened to have lived around the corner from us. And my father would always talk about how he walked to school, how he walked to college. And while my father and his friends were on the street corners goofing off and playing, this young man was very focused on studying, very focused on getting himself educated. And they just had the utmost respect for him. And so I just always liked the fact that uh, my, my dad, who I love very dearly, talked about him and had stories and shared those stories um, with us. And he was a pillar of the community. And I wanted to be like him. I really did. It was that role model thing, yeah. It was that that role model thing, and they were friends with my um, parents. And um, I guess maybe some of that may have rubbed off, but I can tell you, even before I began to hear those stories, I knew I wanted to be a doctor. So I always tell people that it was what God invested into me to to give to others. Was it hard? Yes. 
<laughs> no, I mean seriously. It was, it was not. It, it's not. It's not yesterday, but right. it's you know. It, it I was. Mean, it was a. Back. It was not uh, an easy path. Um, certainly, again, there were no role models outside of him, and he wasn't a close role well, model. Well, I would mentor. assume no female role models. That's right. And um, again, my mother um, stayed at home and raised us. I have four older brothers. I'm the only girl and the Uh-oh. youngest. <laughs> so that tells me a thing had, or two. Yeah, she had a college <laughs> education. I mean, excuse me, she had a high school education, no college. My dad worked as um, a postal manager, and he really worked himself. He was initially. He delivered mail and kind of worked himself up through sure. the ranks. Um, so, and I, he had a couple of years of college, but really no college education. And so, um, I kind of like I was a trailblazer, I guess, in my family well, yeah, for like for it. doing this. I laugh and tell my kids. I can remember when I was applying for my um, when I was applying for college that I had like this little dot matrix kind of printer and old fashioned kind of Apple mm-hmm. computer and. You know, it wasn't all fancy, and it was, like, hard because if you messed up, you know, you had to reset this paper that you put on, like, these dot bubbles or whatever, and, yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't um, easy, but I, I will tell you that it was certainly well worth it. It was probably the, one of the best things that I have ever done in my life. I've always been a people's person, and I enjoy interacting with people. I love—I'm family medicine trained. And I love family medicine because truly you take care of the entire family. So mm-hmm. I enjoy getting the children and then now have the mother and I've got an aunt, I've got grandmother, I've got dad. So generally when I start to get the, the women in the family, I begin to pull the men sure. in the family. And I always share with people that I like that because it gives me an opportunity to really see things that run in families. And so, for instance, sometimes I'm like not understanding like why a certain family member will walk in and I'm like, hey, you have diabetes. We really need to work on it. We need to do this or that. And then the family member is like, oh, no, you know, I don't want to. I'm, I'm fine. I don't yeah, really want to yeah, take care of my diabetes. And then I realized that the issue is that, well, they saw grandmother go through and have an amputation or they saw grandfather end up on dialysis so they assume that that's just going to be their fate and so that gives me an opportunity to step in and say no it does not have to be this way we can use diet we can use exercise we can use medications we have all these things to ensure that you really don't end up like that I don't want you on dialysis from diabetes I don't want your leg your foot your finger whatever I don't want you to lose your vision and here's how we can do this to break those generational curses to really change the focus and change the efforts within families in terms of their health care absolutely yeah it's uh it's an interesting um, challenge and i and i i think it's it's the approach to medicine that i think a lot of us miss many times mm-hmm. when they when we engage with a primary care physician and it, we kind of become a number and it kind of becomes a mm-hmm. canning factory kind of run them in run them out and That's so right. Right. That kind of approach to uh, to medicine yep. can really make a huge difference in yep. somebody's life. In well, terms I'll actually of be practicing here in Danville. So a couple of days a week, Mondays and Wednesdays, I think, are initially slated. I'll start sometime oh, cool. in October okay. um, on Logan at the OSF yeah. um, building. Uh-huh. 
And so I really, I, I will share that I enjoy talking to people. And so I like to spend time with my patients. And I'm not um, one who likes that in and out of the office, you know, see you five minutes and out the door. It's not really how I practice. And I really well, feel that's, how, that's not how most family medicine physicians practice or nurse practitioners who are involved in family medicine. At least that is my hope, <laughs> that yeah. they will enjoy spending time talking and really learning about their patients. I think, I think, I think for some people they're okay with that, just kind of the drive-in, drive-through a form of medicine, but right. for many, many folks, mm-hmm. uh, we'd really like our own Dr. Welby or Dr. Gildare or one mm-hmm. of those TV doctors <laughs> that actually <laughs> cares whether we live or die and, right. and all that. That's so we right. appreciate that That's interest right. that you have. Yes, um, Dr. Starks is actually here this morning to talk not only about getting to know her, but when we come back from break, we're going to spend some time talking about COVID. And what that's doing to uh, healthcare overall, which has created a lot of, of challenges, obviously. So we will do that in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning, along with Dr. Tasha Starks, who is kind of the, let's see, she's the regional director of physician practice. Is that good? (laughs) Whatever. Is that one of them? I don't know. She's over doctors in Urbana and Danville. So um, obviously she knows her stuff, and we're really happy to have her with us this morning. So we were talking a little bit about her and how she got in medicine and all of that. But let's talk for a minute about how medicine has changed since you got into it mm-hmm. and how challenging the healthcare industry is now. And most of that I'm sure is COVID. It has been, um, you know, one of the things that um, COVID has really brought to the forefront is, you know, the issue of life and death. We know that currently we have over 660,000 people who have died from COVID And I know people like to um, compare it to influenza, but I was sharing with you all that we talked about some numbers from the CDC. When we look at the number of deaths from influenza or the flu, on average, it's like 35,000 a year. And over the 18 years that we've been dealing with influenza, you know, if you multiply it by 35,000, you know, that only equals 630,000 deaths over 18 years from influenza. So COVID has affected us much, much, much more so in terms of death in the last 18 months. We've only been dealing with, um, with the COVID virus um, over the last 18 months. So, you know, prevention is important because I tell people that oftentimes we can't look and say which person is going to die from COVID. We know that we've had young people to die. We've had middle-aged people to die. We've had older. And we know that there are some risks if you're older, you're, you know, you're immunocompromised or your immune system doesn't work as well, or you suffer from diabetes, high blood pressure, heart failure, that increases your risk that if you do get infected, that you will be, you may require hospitalizations or you may, you may die from it. But again, we've seen death across all ages. And I know that nobody wants to lose their loved one from this virus. So I have been really big on promoting um, prevention. So again, remembering to wash your hands or to use an alcohol-based hand sanitizer, at least 70% um, alcohol-based hand sanitizer. Wear your mask. 
please, I, I hear people who complain that they're uncomfortable, they have difficulty breathing. We, we understand that, sure. but that's one of the ways that we know that we can prevent or we can help people um, not be infected by the coronavirus. So all these things in social distancing, um, all these things are so important in protecting our people, our, our, the general public, and our families, our loved ones, our sisters, our brothers, our fellow man from being infected, infected from this virus. Uh, let's talk for a minute about, uh, you know, when, when we first started this, aside from the fact that it was completely screwed up from the beginning, in my opinion, <laughs> uh, and became a political issue and not yes. public health, because yes. that's what it is. It's public health. It's not right. politics that's right. and rights. And if that's I hear right. that one more time, I swear I'm going to scream. That's right. Um, but I scream all the time, so right. nobody pays any attention. Right. Um, but let's talk for a minute about how that has impacted when we first began the COVID journey. Mm-hmm. Everything was focused on old people because mm-hmm. we're so fragile. That's right. And we're usually uh, mm-hmm. at high risk for multiple issues. Right. Now, it, with the variants, we mm-hmm. are in a place that's a little, I think, scarier. Mm-hmm. It's one thing if I die off. I'm old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but But when you're talking about People in their 20s, their 30s, their 40s who are in the peak of their lives. That's right. Who now are being put at risk That's right. very often by choice. That's right. How frustrated do you get? Well, I, you know, being in healthcare, I would say it's, it's pretty tough for me to see because, again, I'm family medicine trained. I really focus a lot on prevention of disease. I really don't like to be on the back end of a disease process, even though that's oftentimes how people will come to me. But I think it's very troubling. And so my idea or my thinking is always wanting to help. I want to make it I want to make it better. I want you to have a better quality of life. And so it's difficult to see that when people come in and they don't want to be vaccinated. And I I understand some of the concerns. But again, many of them, unfortunately, are not evidence based. And so that's one of the things that we really try to focus on on healthcare now is really having the research to support um, an idea, a question or a concern. And many times, they, you know, the the evidence to support that notion really isn't there. And people just don't have a good understanding of the whole disease process. And again, as you just mentioned, it's been politicized. So they're on one idea or they're with one group or they support a certain political party. And I just try to leave all of that out when it comes to mm-hmm. health care. I think your health care public health is public. And I have a background. <clears throat> I have actually have a master's in public health. And oh, so yeah. one of the things that I did in Paragool is I served as the county health officer okay. for that region. And so. One of my primary jobs was to really um, help with the COVID mitigation. Uh, I did a lot of education, a lot of teaching and training, um, vaccine clinics, uh, you name it, anything, COVID response, COVID, you know, pandemic planning, um, that types of things. So I've seen and heard all the challenges. I've heard all the reasons for why people uh, don't want to be uh, vaccinated, but I am still uh, with the camp that vaccinations are important. We know that it does a few things. It decreases the likelihood that you will die if you get infected. It decreases the risk of hospitalization and it decreases the risk of severe disease. And that's been proven it, with the research that has been done thus far. Are you encouraged with um, where we're at with looking at uh, making the vaccines accessible to younger and younger Yes, a- absolutely. Absolutely. Because kids are in schools. They're in these yeah. congregate environments. And so we know that the risk for infection in, in close settings 
is high. So we need those young people to be vaccinated. So I am certainly looking forward to Pfizer and Moderna coming out with um, a vaccine to cover that 5 to 11 age group soon. So I think that they're talking about end of October, hopefully having that rollout ready for us. So I guess we'll we'll see. Absolutely. Yeah, we'll see. And and also um, uh, just the um, uh, just how we're handling the mask situation too. I've noticed a real. I think, it, and I'm sure it's probably COVID burnout. But people are real sloppy with their masks now, That's and right. myself included. Sometimes right. I, I admit it, and right. I try to be more careful. But sometimes right. I'm not. Right. The general public, as a rule, if you go into a store or whatever. Right. I'm not seeing the number of people wearing masks, That's which right. kind of surprises me, especially since I see a lot of folks my own age not wearing masks, <laughs> which is like, oh, now shame on you. That's right. Well, we certainly encourage masking again in indoor and outdoor settings. If you're going to be around a lot of people, you should have on a mask, especially if you're not able to social distance. You should wear a mask and a mask, excuse me, a mask that will cover your mouth and your nose. Um, and we know that in 95 work best. You know, we really reserve those for our healthcare workers and those who are high risk for exposure due to their positions. Um, but then surgical mask and then cloth mask better than nothing. You know, they are all, um, ways to prevent transmission. That's right. To prevent transmission and the spread of the coronavirus. So I highly encourage masking. You know, if you're outside of your home, the people that you live with, um, on a regular basis, please, please, please wear your mask. Your life is worth it. We always have them in the car and with us. We're going to come back and talk more with Dr. Starks in just a moment on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. 1490 WDAN. Welcome back to Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. Linda Bolton with you this morning along with Dr. Tasha Sparks who is... uh, Head of physician practice at, with OSF, regional health officer, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we'll go, I, I, just made that, I just made that one up. <laughs> and they don't know yet, but you have a new title. Anyway, um, she knows her stuff, and she's been wonderful to talk to this morning uh, about her own career and, and medicine in general, but uh, particularly about, uh, about COVID. So let's talk for a minute about booster shots. There's mm-hmm. been a lot of controversy well, everything about COVID has controversy, controversy so absolutely. nothing unusual there, but let's talk about boosters. So on Friday, um, the FDA recommended that booster shots be given to those who are 65 years or older and those who are at high risk for severe disease. So um, the expectation for today that they will be rolled out to everybody didn't happen. But I think that that's still um, good work going forward that we know that um, our populations who are high risk for severe illness or being hospitalized or likely dying from the disease will be able to get vaccinations. But as with everything, we know that there may be some changes that will come forth um, from this. They left it up to some interpretation interpretation in terms of the the, those who will be high risk for um, severe illness but again you know those who have congestive heart failure people with diabetes if you have an autoimmune condition like lupus or rheumatoid arthritis or any other autoimmune condition HIV AIDS you know those types of things should certainly qualify you for a booster uh, vaccination and I hope that people um, will definitely go 
and receive those vaccinations, especially those that fall within the groups that they um, recommend have the, the booster. I think one of the things that just has disturbed me about this round uh, with COVID has been when uh, the health department releases their data every day, their report, <laughs> to see the bed availability in our entire region, which right. is like 15 counties. That's right. And lately we have been at peak in terms of, so you got 15 mm. counties and a lot of hospitals That's right. and no beds. That's right. And that's scary. Well, unfortunately, you're seeing that across the country. Yep. We're not the only ones suffering from um, that problem. And again, so that's even more reason for people to go ahead and make a decision to be vaccinated. You know, in the U.S., we're over 50 percent. But if we look at Vermilion County, currently we are at about 35 percent, I think we talked about, in terms of those that are vaccinated. We need those numbers to be much higher. We really want people to be vaccinated. There are benefits to being vaccinated. As I shared earlier, less likelihood that you'll be hospitalized. It's less likely that you'll suffer from severe illness. It's less likely that you'll die, by gosh. Please, please, please go and be vaccinated. And here's the other thing is that most of the people now that we're seeing in the hospitals are those that are unvaccinated, that are severely ill. And yes, we've had some breakthrough cases because of Delta. But again, if you look at the, the data, it shows that most of those who are currently hospitalized are those that are unvaccinated. So again, I think that makes a case for people who are not vaccinated to really give some thought so that you don't end up in the hospital, so that you don't have a loved one who dies from COVID. You don't get sick. So I, I, again, I'm a vaccine advocate. I know there are those who are um, not in favor of it. But again, I think if we look at the research, if we look at the information, it is in favor that the vaccine is working. The vaccines are working. I think one of the things that's disturbed me most about all of this um, has been this lack of um, caring about other people. So I don't like vaccines. By God, you can't tell me I have to put a vaccine in my body. Mm. I don't really care. Right. And they don't think about those people that they're going to encounter, that they're putting at risk. And we don't seem to care as much about that as we used to, which is kind of sad. Yep, um, that's an unfortunate thing. I would just tell people who feel that way to think about their loved ones. Because if you get infected, you know, you live with your grandmother who has diabetes, hypertension, you know, the risk of that person or your, your loved one getting infected if you live together is high. And you don't want to be that person who infects your loved one who thus ends up in the hospital on a ventilator and even possibly dead. So I think if you look at it in that perspective that we are all family, right? That we all well, I'd like to think that, but <laughs> we we tend to we've tended to stray yeah, away from that yeah. concept. I just tell people just think about it within the the context of your own family that you don't want to be the individual that comes home, gives it to a, a loved one who subsequently suffers from an outcome that you all didn't anticipate. And again, you don't want it to spread within your own family. So if you don't want it to spread within your own family, that prevents your family from infecting somebody else's family, which prevents somebody else's family. So if you think about it in the context of family, we are all family. You know, we are each other's keepers. You know, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, I am. And if we think about it in terms of that, I think that, you know, the, the case for being vaccinated certainly should uh, be right at the forefront of everyone's minds. Yeah, absolutely. And there are plenty of places you can go to OSF's website. You can go to the health department's website. That's right. Uh, plenty of places to go to find out information about uh, uh, accessing vaccines. That's right. 
please do so. Absolutely. Again, this is uh, this is about people's lives. That's right. And we have here in Danville two urgent cares. So we the do. one on North Vermillion, the one that's here on Logan. We have prompt care on Logan as well. Um, we have several family medicine physicians who are taking new patients. So if you don't have a primary care physician, please come find myself or any other primary care provider or nurse practitioner within the OSF medical group. We will be glad to um, take care of you. And one of the other fallouts, we talked about this earlier, from um, COVID is that we're seeing increased utilization of our emergency departments. And I want to share with people that you don't have to go to the ER to be tested for COVID. Again, urgent care, prompt care, please see your primary care providers. You know, it's less expensive than an emergency room visit, and we want to encourage you to please utilize our other services. Certainly. Thank you, Dr. Starks. No Appreciate problem. it. Look forward to talking to you again. Anytime. Thank you all for join having me. Join us tomorrow. We're going to be talking to Jim Anderson and Pat O'Shaughnessy about Festival of Trees. So join us on Newsmakers 1490 WDAN. I'm Linda Bolton. Danville's Talk Station, 1490 WDAN Danville, W284DD Danville, and online at vermilioncountyfirst.com. You've been listening to the Newhoff Media Podcast Network. For more, visit newhoffmedia.com.